I brought my guitar and intended on singing, but uh, the Lord directed otherwise. Uh, spirit is, we don't want to quench the spirit, do anything that we ought not do. And uh, I tell you what, it's been sweet to be in church this morning. It's the wonderful spirit, good singing. I, just, uh, I love it. Uh, but it's preaching time. And if you have your copy of God's Word, you turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. And uh, we're going to look at verses 16 through 26, Lord willing, this morning. It's uh, on page 719 in that pew Bible in front of you if you don't have your copy of God's Word. Uh, Matthew 19. And when you get there, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? Matthew chapter 19, from verse 16. Somebody's going to have to yell at me every Sunday and tell me to turn the microphone off. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19, start with verse 16. Here the Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of an eagle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you so much for the service thus far. Lord, I need you now to preach through me and for me. God, keep me out of the way. Keep me small. May you be very tall in this uh, service today, Lord. May your word do a mighty work in our hearts, and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Well, we just read a very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm sure if you've been in church at any time at all in your life, you've probably heard this preached on and taught on. You may be going, God bless you. Don't do that this morning. Uh, the Lord has something for us in here. And I'm sure we've come to expect from the content and, and the messages we've heard in the past that it may be centered upon people with great riches not being able to enter into heaven. But that is not the application that we're looking at this morning. Instead, I want us to get a much deeper uh, thought and meaning here. The underlying truth that is within this text. What, what the Lord's trying to show us in His Word. Uh, look back at verse 16. And I've titled the message this morning, Good Men Go to Hell. Good Men Go to Hell. Verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Well, this story that we just read, of course, it's also told in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke informs us this man was a ruler of some kind. He doesn't say of what. He could have been you know, a ruler of the synagogue, or he could have been some kind of magistrate, or some high-ranking official. Whatever it is, we don't know. But uh, 
He may have even been a Pharisee, but the Bible doesn't state that. Uh, Mark tells us that he came running to Jesus. So he's very anxious to get this off of his mind and how he can have eternal life. That's his, his question. It's obvious he wants to get an answer for this. Uh, him being a young man, and probably your Bible's probably like mine, it probably says that the, in, the, in the between there, it says uh, the rich young ruler. Uh, the Bible in the text really doesn't ever call him the rich young ruler. We just call him that because he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. So uh, that's why he's often referred to that. But notice he refers to Jesus as good master. Mm -hmm. And in your King James Bible, those words are capitalized. The good and the master. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's a title. He's a good man and he's a master. Well, he's addressing Jesus more as a great teacher. Uh, he doesn't see Jesus as the master of his life or a savior by any means. He doesn't know him that way. But he does know of him being a great teacher. Uh, one sent by God. The Bible said that he'd be coming and teaching and preaching things that uh, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the scribes, they'd never taught anything like that. But he brought a message as one that had been brought or taught by God. And we know that is the case. Uh, but here he comes to him and he says, What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What good thing? You see, this, uh, this man is wrapped up in good things, services and actions and uh, work and deeds, and most of the Jews were. They considered that they had to work to, to earn anything, to do anything, and well, we do too. We, we always think, not, not religious-wise, I'm not talking about Christianity, but in life in general, we expect if we do a job that we get paid. Yeah. If we do a good job, we get paid maybe a little more. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I go to work and I work a job and I work for eight hours a day, sometimes 10, sometimes 12, but if I go and work, I expect to be paid for the work that I've done. But it's different when it comes to things such as eternal life. There is no work that you can do to uh, inherit or to have eternal life. But this Jewish man, of course, he is wanting to know what good thing he can do. Uh, if you've ever witnessed anyone or groups of people or anything, if you've ever went around and uh, visited in, in, in the neighborhood, knocked on doors and asked people about salvation, uh, most of the time when you go up and knock on a door and ask somebody uh, if they knew where they would be, if they died tonight, that they usually they get taken aback when you say that, but uh, if you ask them that, most of them have an idea, oh yes, I'm going to heaven. Well, what you have to do is follow up with, what do you face that on? Why do you say you'll be in heaven if you die tonight? What makes you think you would have eternal life? And I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you eight things that I personally have heard from people when I've been witnessing to them and coming up and just asking them about salvation, where they would be if they closed their eyes in death. Number one thing was I was raised in church. Uh, in the, uh, the church that we used to pastor, we went to every house in that neighborhood several times. But when you would knock on the door and you ask them about that, you know, where would you be if you closed your eyes in death tonight? You know where you'd be uh, tomorrow. And they would say, yes, heaven. I'll say, what, what makes you say that? Well, I, I've been in church all my life. Okay, I understand that. A lot of people have been in church all their lives. They don't mean they've been saved. I've heard people say, well, you know, I was baptized a long time ago. You know, you would be surprised how many people believe that being baptized saves them has nothing to do with your salvation. No. No. 
Right. Baptism is a follow-up. It's just an outward sign, a symbol that showed that you have been saved. You're burying that old man. You're coming up a new creature in Christ. You're following in his footsteps. Right. You're doing what Christ told us to do. But that's not salvation. Baptism doesn't save you. The man on the cross that was hanging there, the thief, and that Jesus told him today you'll be with me in paradise because that man believed in Jesus as Savior. The Bible doesn't say they took that man down and baptized him, put him back up there, and then he died. And some people say, well, maybe it rained that day and he got wet after baptism. No, no, sir. That's not what happened. Baptism doesn't save you, but a lot of people, when you ask them where they would be and if they're saved, they say, oh, yes, I got baptized a long time ago. They've been people come to me wanting to know if, if I would baptize them. And when you start questioning about their salvation, they don't have a salvation story. They can't tell you when they got saved. And so I will not baptize anyone that's never been saved. <laughs> uh, I hear this one. I used to teach Sunday school. Okay, well, that's great. I'm glad you did. But can you tell me when you got saved? When did you receive Christ as your Savior? Yeah. I've heard this a lot. Well, I've tried to live a good life. There's a lot of people that's tried to live a good life. That didn't save them. Here's one I heard. I help people who are in need. You see, there's a big drive today to do good things for, for people. And it's great if you do good things. That's, that's something good to do. But it's not salvation. It doesn't save anyone when you do something good for them. And it doesn't save you for doing that good work. One guy I talked to and I asked him about it. He said, oh yeah, I was studying to be in the ministry. Oh, well, great. That's great. I studied to be in the ministry too, but can you tell me about when you got saved? He was quiet. He had no salvation story. But he'd been working to be in the ministry. He'd been studying. He didn't anymore, he said. He said, I used to a long time ago. I studied to be in ministry, but he never could tell me how he got saved or when. Here's a big one, especially for East Tennessee, the Bible Belt. I go to such and such church. If you died tonight and you opened your eyes, where would you be after, after death? And they say heaven. I'll say, okay, why, why do you say that? I go to such and such church. Really? Well, I'm so glad that you go to church. That's a wonderful thing. And everybody should go to church, but that's not salvation. That going to church cannot save you. You can come and sit on the pew of this church every time the door is open, and if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. Yep. And that's just the facts. <coughs> I go to such and such church. One person told me that. I said, well, great. How's pastor so-and-so doing? They said, huh? I said, you know, the pastor of the church. Well, now, we've not been there in a while, so I'm not sure who's pastoring now. Okay. And here's one. Here's a good one. That I could even say this one if somebody asked me. My grandfather was a preacher. People told me that more than one. You know, what do you base your salvation on? Well, my grandfather was a preacher. Uh, you know, he, I just talked to him a lot. Well, great. I'm glad. My grandfather was a preacher too, but he didn't save me. Nope. I didn't get saved when he got saved. Just because he can preach don't mean I can get saved. Nope. You know, if anybody just stand here and boast and brag about their family and their past and, and everything that's happened, I mean, my dad was a wonderful Sunday school teacher and, and saved. My grandfather was a, was a preacher and, and a church starter and everything else. I can go on and on. My uncle, Adriel Hall, used to pastor this church, by the way, and I got saved just a mile down the road at Elm Street under his preaching. But just because he was a preacher didn't save me. It was because I heard the gospel... And the Lord convicted my heart. I was a lost sinner bound for hell. 
And I believe the gospel that Jesus Christ was sent here to die for my sins. He hung on the cross. He gave his, his life for me. He was buried and he rose again in three days. I believe that. And I said, I want to trust him as my Savior. I want to receive him because he can save me. Right. So that is what saves you is receiving Christ as your Savior. Believing the gospel and trusting Christ as your Savior. Then you can call him Master, not Teacher, but Master or Lord, Savior. But those eight things I personally have heard from people as I've asked them about their salvation. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, so a lot of people want to start listing off religious deeds that they've done or good things that they've done. Uh, may I say to you this morning that none of those things that I mentioned will ever assure you a place in heaven. Not a single one. You see, one problem we have as human beings is that uh, we think that we have to control everything. Well, now, if I could, and we like lists. <laughs> we like to write down a list of things and check them off and say, I've done that. So I, I'm one step closer. I've been working on a, uh, a certificate in Google IT management, and it's taken me about six months. And so they have all these different um, points you have to pass. And so there's like five different courses I had to pass to get the final certification. And I worked on it, worked on it, worked on it, sat there and, and plugged away and, and uh, did all the exams and tests and everything, passed them. But I would check off each time. Each time I got a certificate for one of the courses I had to pass to get the ultimate certificate, I'd, I'd check it off. And when I finally got that last one, I checked it off. They sent an email and said, congratulations, you're a Google IT specialist. And it was so thrilling to do that. You see, we like to do that. We like to have lists that we can check off and say, it's done. I, I've accomplished that. Now I get, I get something for it. I, I gain something because I've, I've finished this. Mm -hmm. But salvation is different. We cannot carry that same type of worldly thought uh, or mentality over into the spiritual realm. Because God doesn't work that way. It doesn't fit that. This young ruler, he isn't any different than anyone else. Besides, he's a Jew and the Jews are always working under the law. They had to keep this law and that law. I believe there were 619 laws of, of God that, uh, that they had to keep. And then there was about 300 and something odd more of the Pharisees that they had to keep. They had over 900 to 1,000 laws that they had to keep. And so it was constantly, every day in their life, keeping this law, doing this, don't do that. And uh, he just assumes that uh, eternal life is, is the same. He even has said here to the Lord that he's kept all the commandments. We know that's not true, but he did say that. And so he assumes that he's good enough, he's done enough of it, that that would assure him place in heaven, but there's still something missing. And he realizes there's something missing. That's why he came to Jesus. He knows something's missing in his life to inherit eternal life. And so he comes to him and he says, what good thing do I have to do? You know, what, what good thing? Do I need to go carry some old lady's groceries in the house for her? Do I need to do that? You know? Do I need to hold, hold the door open for people as they come through? Do I need to go and build a wheelchair ramp? There's a lot of churches get involved in that. That's a good thing. If somebody needs a wheelchair ramp, go out and build it. But that's not salvation. That's not going to save you. Those good works are not going to have anything to do with your salvation. Uh, when it comes to supporting missions, and I'm a great big mission supporter, by the way. I believe that, that God, He loves missions. And But there's one thing you've got to look for is that one that their main focus is on digging a well, building a house, doing this or doing that. And their focus is all on that. And they've taken their focus off of the gospel, mm -hmm. off of salvation. Well, it's great to help people. You know, Join one of those, those groups that goes around and, and helps people. 
if that's what you want to do. But if you want to see people saved, then you need to focus yourself on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The people of this world are lost and they're dying yep. and they're going to hell. And while they may need a well done, they may need a wheelchair ramp done, that's great, but they need Jesus. Yep. They need salvation in their life. Verse 17, he said unto him, Why callest, this is Jesus saying, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So it seems like an odd thing that Jesus is saying here, since Jesus is God, why would he say that? He asked God, Why do you call me good? You see, if, for the guy to call him good, then he would have to know that there's something good about him. Good master, and I, as I mentioned, it's capitalized, so it's kind of like a title, good. So he, he obviously knows that he's someone that's really great, a great person. But he doesn't know that he's God. He doesn't realize he's the Messiah or the Savior. And so Jesus is just prompting him on that, asking about that. Why are you calling me good? What are you basing that on? Because there's no one good but God. So if you know God, then you would know me. And then you could call me good. And, uh, you know, the Gospel of Mark said he even kneeled before him. Now, when he kneeled before him, he wasn't kneeling to worship him. He was kneeling down out of respect. So Jesus has, I mean, he's been on in his earthly ministry for quite some time at this point. Around three years. And so the fame of his has gotten, I mean, it's just, it's great. You, you folks that were, uh, you know, back in the 50s when Elvis was big, I've seen those reels where people are, I mean, thousands and thousands of just locking on him. And uh, that's nothing compared to what Jesus was doing in that day. Uh, you just can't imagine how popular he was. And so the word has gotten out. And this man obviously believes he's a great man. He's someone to pay respect to. And that's, that's why he's called him teacher. But is Jesus good? Certainly he's good. He's, he is God. But this rich young ruler doesn't know that. And so Jesus says, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, when he tells him this, I'm sure that his ears went, finally, I have the answer. So I've got to keep the commandments. And so he wants to know which ones, which commandments. Okay, well, all of them. And Jesus starts naming them off. He said, thou shalt... Do no murder. What's the sixth commandment? So he can go, never killed anybody. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Seventh commandment, never done that. Thou shalt not steal. Eighth commandment, never stole anything. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Ninth commandment, I've not ever bared false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's the fifth commandment. I've always honored them. And then thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus called this one the second and great commandment of the law. You may not find that particular one in the ten, but that's still a commandment. And by the way, there is more than just ten commandments. The Bible is filled with God's commandments. When he says do this, that's commandment. And so Jesus said that the second great commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. So what are we supposed to do? We're to love God and we're to love our neighbor. And uh, so he tells him all those things. There's your list. A list of things to shoot for. A list of things to keep. And this is going to be a piece of cake for this young man because he assumes he's done them all. And I'm, I'm sure he feels really good about himself about right now. He's probably thinking, oh, I've got this. <laughs> Verse 20. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth of what? Lack I yet. 
He knows there's still something there he's not done. And Jesus is going to have to give him the answer. He said, okay, I've done all this. Now what? What's next? What can I write down? See, the, he, he wants to appeal to the Lord how good he is. And a lot of people do that. Oh, Lord, I went to church last Sunday. That's pretty good. That ought to look good on my account, right? And so people see a lot of times like a scale. You know, those old scales that you, you balance things out. So I went to church this Sunday. So that what's that do? Oh, that puts me in God's good, good graces. Well, I did something good for somebody. Oh, boy, oh, my skill's getting better and better. And that's the way we start seeing things. But when we look at things through God's eyes and through His righteousness, we suddenly find out, nope, yeah. that was nothing. That was nothing. There's none good. No, not one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can say things like, well, I never killed anybody. I never committed adultery. I never stole anything. I never lied. I've always honored my parents, and I've always loved my neighbors. I love myself. What have you really? Seriously, when you got up from bed this morning, what's the first thing you did? You went and took care of yourself. You didn't run over to the neighbor's house and say, neighbor, you doing okay? Or you are? No, we always put ourselves first. We always did. We brush our teeth. We don't brush our neighbor's. We make our, our coffee and we drink our coffee. We fix our breakfast and we eat our breakfast. We make sure our hair is combed and we look good. We make sure we have everything we need first. But we love our neighbors ourselves, do you really? You even know their name. Well, listen. Uh, look at it again. At that list. Thou shalt do no murder. But what does it say in Matthew 5 and 21? It says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But listen to what it says in Matthew 5 and 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Mm -hmm. hmm. That hurts right there. I mean, who, who's not been angry with their brother? Who's not been angry with their co-worker or their uh, you know, friend or anybody? And so God kind of puts that on the same scale. He says, thou shalt not kill. And he says, but whoever's angry with your brother without cause will be in danger of the judgment. What about this one? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, people go around and say, well, that's one I'm positive I've never done. Well, what about Matthew 5 and 27 and 28? It says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Mm, I believe that's going to get to a lot of people right there. Thou shalt not steal. Oh, well, you know, that little thing, nobody missed it. Nobody cared. It, it, it wasn't a big deal. Besides, my workplace could afford it. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Well, even if it wasn't him, he's probably guilty anyway. He's probably guilty of something. Honor thy father and thy mother. This is one that, that really gets put on the, on the back burner a lot of times. Well, they don't really expect me to continue obeying them now that I'm a certain age, do they? I shouldn't have to listen to what they say. Oh, friend, yes. It doesn't matter if you're grown. If you're 100 years old, your parents are somehow still alive. You're to honor your father and your mother. About thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. 
like I said, we're going to take care of me, myself, and I before we ever consider our neighbor. So I believe we can all feel kind of guilty here. I believe we can put ourselves in that young man's shoes and we can say, well, hold on there, young fella. You, you say you've kept all these things, but have you really? Now, the Lord knows that he hasn't. He's, he doesn't even call him out on it. But he says, what lack I yet? What else do I need to do? What good deed do I need to do to have eternal life? Do I got to mow somebody's yard? Do I got to go help back groceries? Do I got to do this? Do I got to do that? Jesus said to him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell thou uh, that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Yay, another item to add to the... What? What did you just say to me? <laughs> Sell everything that I have and give it to the poor. Do you know how rich I am? Do you know how powerful I am? Do you know what position I have? And you expect me to give all that up and follow you around to have eternal life? You see, this man's love is his love of money, his love of power, his love of position, his love of everything about himself. The Gospel of Mark says when Jesus told him that he loved him, or told him this, that he loved him. Verse 21, over in Mark, it says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou likest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. Here Jesus has offered him great riches in heaven, treasures in heaven. All you've got to do is get your mind off yourself. Quit loving yourself and love your neighbor and love me and follow me. And you're assured of treasures in heaven. And, and he won't do it. He said he kept all his commandments, but it was really a lie. And while he may be able to keep part of the commandments, the first, the great commandment, he did not. Because, uh, which is the love of the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Because if he did that, he would gladly give up everything that he has and follow Jesus. But nevertheless, Jesus still loved him just as he loves all sinners. He, he still loves you. Even if you're lost, he still loves you. And he wants you to be saved. After all, that's why he came to this world. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John 3, 17. Now, go back to your opening text, verse 22, and we'll see the outcome of this rich young ruler. Verse 22 says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Uh, this rich young man had more faith in works than he did the Savior. As long as he could keep a set of rules and abide by them and look the right way and act the right way and and check off his list and everything would be fine. But when Jesus asked him to deny himself, to deny himself, he was unwilling to trust Jesus to meet his needs. I've talked to several people that say things such as, well, I hope I'm saved. Or I hope I'm going to heaven. Or I might. They, they're just not sure. They're hoping... Somehow they've worked enough, they've done enough good deeds that God will weigh their balances and, and find them worthy to be saved. But sadly, just like the, the rich young ruler, they're not saved. He was trusting his good works and his riches 
But what are we trusting this morning? What are you trusting? If you've never been saved today, what are you trusting to get to heaven? Because you know what's going to happen. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. So we all have an appointment with death. We will all die. You may be young, you may be old, but it doesn't matter. You have an appointment with death. I've, I've been to the gravesides of, of just children. I've been to the gravesides of teenagers. I've been to the gravesides of people that lived almost 100 years old. And it's all the same. They all died. And they all must stand before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, when you stand before the Lord, you either have to be saved or you're lost. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. If you're lost, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. And there's just no way out of it. You are going to go to hell if you've never been saved. You're not going to be good enough to make it to heaven. Nobody ever has been in the history of man has never been good enough to work their way to heaven. Never, ever. Romans 3 and 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together and become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. No one. That sweet little granny that you know, if she's not been saved, she's not going to heaven. That son, that daughter, that mother, that father, if they've never received Christ, they're going to go to hell when they die. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. To come short of the glory of God means that you cannot enter into heaven. You cannot come into God's presence and enter into heaven because you come short of His glory. So in order to have eternal life, to live in heaven, we must have a way besides ourselves and our good works to get there. Thankfully, the Bible tells us there is a way. Mm-hmm. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is dead, but, aren't you glad that word's in there, but the gift of God. And notice it's a gift. He didn't say the the, uh, uh, the the reward for your works of God. He said, no, the gift of God. We know what a gift is. Christmas is in 84 days, by the way. In 84 days, we expect gifts under the tree. And we know what that is. That's yours. If it's got your name on it, it's yours. It's free. You take it and it's in your possession. It's nobody else's. It's yours. Same as salvation. God says, this is my gift to you. It's free. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't buy it from me. I freely gave it to you. Take it in your possession. And that's all He wants us for you to say, yes, God, I take the possession of eternal life from Jesus Christ into my possession. I want you in my heart. I want to go to heaven when I die. I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And I trust you as my Savior, not myself, not my works, not my riches, not my power, not my fame, not my TikTok viral video. God, I know that can't get me there. Only you can get me there. And I trust Jesus to do that. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal means forever and ever and ever and ever and ever to infinity and beyond. Isn't that what they say? Buzz Lightyear. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's right. So there it is, just plain as it can be in your Bible. It's not of works. You cannot 
be saved by works. So the gift of God is Jesus Christ. He's the sole, exclusive way to heaven and to have eternal life. It is only being justified by faith in Jesus you can be saved. Listen to Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. The rich young ruler needs to hear that. Your flesh cannot be justified by keeping those commandments, by keeping those laws. You can't do it. It's only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Right. Jesus is the only name we can be saved by. Right. John 14.6 Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Yep. You can't get over it, can't get under it, can't get around it. You gotta go through Jesus. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I am the door of heaven. If you want in, you gotta go through me. You gotta go through me. John 10 27 says, My sheep. Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. May I say to you listening right now, you've been presented the truth of the gospel this morning. There's no cutting around. There's no him hauling around. I, I, I've not made any gray areas here. I don't believe in gray areas. I don't believe that there's little places we can say if and perhaps and all this. I believe in black and white. And I believe in the red words in here too, Jesus. But I believe in a black and white thing. It's yes or it's no. Yep. If, if I've got something wrong with me, and I go to the doctor, and I say, doctor, I've got something wrong, and he should look at it, and he looks at it, and he starts shaking his head and writing down things in his notes and everything, and he knows what it is, but he don't want to tell me. And I say, okay, doc, give me the news. Well, perhaps, you know, we need to do this. Hold on now. Tell me what's wrong with me right now. Don't give haul. Don't, don't try to make the, my feelings not get hurt. Tell me what's wrong. Okay, you've got cancer and you're, you're going to die in three days. I'd rather hear that. I'd rather know the truth. I've told you the truth. If you've not been saved and you die, you're going to go to hell. Right. The only way to avoid that is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ that He came and died for your sins. He hung on the cross. He shed His blood. He was buried. And He rose again in three days. And if you can believe that and say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe He can save me. That's all you got to do. Call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and thou shalt be saved. The only reason you call on the name of the Lord is if you believe it. You must believe. What about you this morning? I want Brother Scott to come get an invitation song. I want the rest of us to stand if you're able to. If you can't stand, just keep seated there. As he gets the song prepared, I want to ask you this morning, what is your heart's condition? Have you ever trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? I don't want you to go out of this building today lost. If you go out of here lost and something happens to you, you're going to go to hell. The Bible says, Scott read this morning, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He don't want you to die. He don't want you to go to hell. 
but people are dropping off in there just like that right there. They're dropping off every second into the pits of hell, and I don't want you to be one of those. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. Oh, Lord, we need your help. God, I don't know the hearts of each person in here, but we know that you do. God, we know if we've been saved or not. God, if we've not been, we must be. Lord, we must be saved. God, I'm praying today for that individual, those individuals, whoever it may be today, if they're not saved, God, that today will be the day that the Holy Spirit convict their heart, God, and show them that it, it's not too late right now, but God, that if they leave here today, it may be. It may be their last chance. God, there may be one listening today online that's lost. God, will you convict their heart? Show them they need to trust Jesus to save them. Lord, help us today. If there's one, if there's one, I want you to come down to this altar this morning. If you need to be saved, if the Lord's been dealing with you, and you know that you've not been saved, but you need to be, and you believe in the work of Jesus on the cross, would you come? Everybody's praying. Brother Scott, I want you to just sing something there. And if you need help, you come down. I'm turning off the microphone. Nobody's going to hear anything. You need to come talk.